And if you'll keep those Bibles open and flip with me over to the New Testament, we're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 for our sermon text this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Before we read it, I want to remind you kind of where we are uh, here in the beginning stages of our sermon series, Applying God's Word to Life. The first week that we addressed this new sermon series, we established the declaration of the Christian that God's Word is sufficient for every circumstance, every season, every emotion that we'll ever face as a Christian. That everything that we'll face as a Christian, every suffering, trial, temptation, every circumstance, emotion, every broken relationship, every personal, tragic habit can all be addressed within God's Word. And last week we looked at our problem with shame. How do we deal with shame? How do we deal with those sins that we have committed that bring us shame? How do we deal with those sins that have been committed against us and has brought us shame? And the answer that the Scriptures gave was look to the cross of Christ who bore all of our shame upon the Calvary's heel. And this morning we're going to look at addiction and change. Addiction and change. Addressing this question of, can I really change? Can I really be one who can be delivered from the, the chains of addiction? And the answer is absolutely yes. And here is how we establish that through God's Word. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Well, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God remains forever and ever. As we think about addiction and this question of can I really change, we need to understand that we talk about addiction in not the ways the world talks about addiction, but the way in which the Bible talks about addiction. And the way in which the Bible addresses addiction is that it establishes very quickly that addiction is a worship problem. That addiction is a worship problem. Addiction shows us that we have in our hearts a place that has been filled with earthly desires or earthly circumstances that takes the place in which God ought to have within our hearts. That, that addiction, yes, is a worldly problem. We can be addicted to many different things, and we'll even address that here in just a moment. But really, scripturally, addiction is a worship problem. It's an idolatry, if we will. And, and we, we know something about idolatry. The first commandment in which God gives to His people within the Old Testament is that simply they must not have any God other than Him. And so anytime we turn to anything or anyone more than we turn to Him, anytime we think about or worship that one singular thing over God, that one thing that dominates our life, that is idolatry. 
that shows itself to be a worship problem. And even more severe, what we understand about a worship problem is that it is sin. It's sin to seek pleasure outside of God. It's sin to do things out of His will. It's sin to go about creating our own plan for life rather than submitting ourselves to the plan that God has for our life. And addiction reveals itself when we begin to seek unhealthy or ungodly circumstances, things, emotions. It means that we are breaking the first commandment. And these are what idols, addictions look like in our modern day context. It can be a, an emotional addiction. We can be addicted to control, which reveals itself at being good at manipulation. We can have a behavioral addiction. We could be addicted to things like pornography or, or lying. Of course, it can be a substance addition, addiction. We could be addicted to things like alcohol, drugs, or even food. But probably one of the most prominent and least thought about addictions that we see within our culture is this compulsive media addiction that we're addicted to the the use of social media or our phones or, or web surfing we can be addicted to all sorts of different things materialism emotions and all of it is sin because it is not the way that God has established life for his people one of the things that John Calvin, arguably the father of Presbyterianism, said centuries ago is that our heart is a factory of idols. And you might have heard that quote before, but he is simply trying to state that our heart, because it is sin-filled, has the ability to create thousands and thousands of idols. Our, our heart has a way into teasing us and to tempting us and to trying to cause us to believe that we are created to have pleasure in anything else other than God. Where the scriptures say that our greatest pleasure, our greatest joy is to walk with God. And so our problem in the midst of addiction is a worship problem. But our text this morning in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it, it gives us a great hope within the Lord Jesus. Because if we are in Christ, as the scripture here says before us, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. This sin-filled and, and hardened heart is made new in our attention and our emotions and even our love is turned towards Christ instead of the idols of this world, the addictions of this world. And you'll notice even, if you look back at your text there in verse 17, I love the word behold. I know that many of y'all know that. But behold seems to be shaking you awake, drawing attention to what's about to be said. Because here it is that the Apostle Paul says, Behold, the new has come. The new will, the new affections, the new mindset of pursuing only Christ, not the idols and addictions of this world. 
the, the new vision of seeing that our greatest joy and our greatest fulfillment is only in Christ and pursuing His commands. The joy that is given to the believer as he comes to know Christ in faith and obedience gives us a real fulfilling sense of acceptance, of belonging, of fulfillment, of flourishing even. But I think before we even get to the good news, we need to think about the the sobering reality of addiction. And I don't think that there's anywhere better to go in all the Scriptures than in the Old Testament. Hosea chapter 2. Hosea chapter 2. If you know anything about the book of Hosea, we know that Hosea is a man who was married to a woman named Gomer. And the picture that's before us is, is pretty graphic, admittedly, in Hosea chapter 2. But it's speaking of Gomer's unfaithfulness to her husband and to her family. She's a serial adulterer. But her idol, her addiction, the thing that she worshipped was not the, the sex itself, if I can be so blunt, but the materialism that flows from giving herself away to a host of many men. And so here in Hosea chapter 2, I just want to walk you through the text. We're not going to read it in its entirety, but we'll actually see the, the price and the, the pattern and the power of addiction. And so if you'll keep those Bibles open to Hosea chapter 2, we'll head back to 2 Corinthians here in just a few moments. But I want you to see the price of addiction. And understand this, when we read this and we see the, the sobering reality of the price of addiction, remember this is recorded in God's Word for us because Israel has been unfaithful to their God. Israel has committed adultery, we would say, against their God, and so their unfaithfulness is going to be punished. And the price of addiction is heavy because there in verse 2, we see that Addiction, idolatry has led to the loss of family. Has law led to the loss of family. Verse 2 says, plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife and I am not her husband. It's this disconnection, if you will, of the marital covenant between a man and a woman. These vows in which a man and a woman have taken upon themselves to be faithful to one another, to love one another sacrificially, to respect and uphold one another, to encourage one another. These things have been committed to as husband and as wife. And now this addiction to materialism, this idolatry, this unfaithfulness to the marital covenant has caused a separation within these promises. It's a loss of a family, isn't it? But if you just let your eyes fall now to verse 3, you actually see that it costs much more than a husband, but it actually cost all of her livelihood. Now remember, this is written in a very poetic form to try to help us realize the gravity of what's being said. And so it's not any sort of sexual 
innuendo, if you will, that she is naked, it just simply means that she has lost everything. She has nothing to claim for her own. And you see the irony of addiction already. You'll come before us in much more profound ways here in just a moment, but you see that her addiction, her idol is materialism. She wants nice things. She gives herself over to men time and time again so that she might receive these nice things. And yet what's being said here is she's lost everything. And we know those who have dealt with addiction, maybe friends or family members. And we know that while the idol, while that addiction says that they can receive these great benefits from all of these things in which they are doing, yet it leaves them empty. It leaves them with nothing. Not only does it leave them without a family, but it takes away the, the riches of materialistic wealth. Addictions make empty promises that cannot satisfy. And so those who give themselves over to idols, those who give themselves over to addiction, those who worship other things besides God are left naked, thirsty, and ultimately dead. Those who pursue after idols, those who pursue after addictions, they are looking to the world for satisfaction. And yet, they will never be satisfied. That, that is the profound irony within addictions. But you see, it, 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 even, it even continues to spiral downward because there in verse 4, it says not only do, does Gomer lose her husband, and not only does Gomer lose her materialistic riches, but she also loses her children in verse 4. Upon her children also I will have no mercy. What it's saying here is that because of her addictive behavior, she has led herself away from one of the greatest treasures, which is children. We celebrated children already in our worship service, didn't we? Not only the celebration of bringing new covenant children within to our church family, but even having our older covenant children standing here and, and singing beautifully for us. We see the, the blessings of God's hand as He gives to His people children and inheritance and a, a reward. And those things, when we give ourselves over to idolatry, when we give ourselves over to addiction, are, are stripped away. And... And I want you to see, when we think about this price of addiction, you think about what we've already read in verse 2, this plead with your mother. Plead. It's a, it's a play on words. Because it talks about what we would call this intervention of sorts. And I don't know if you've ever had someone in your family who you've loved dearly, or a friend that you have loved dearly. We, we have something of an intervention with them, don't we? We sit them down. We begin to explain the issue. We begin to shake them and say, come to your senses. See what all you're losing. And it's as if Hosea is looking at his own children. Plead with your mother. See what she's losing. See the cost, the price of her addictions 
so that she might be stirred away to turn away from these worldly things and, and turn towards her heavenly Father who will bestow on her mercy and grace. It's this intervention of sorts, but it's not just an intervention from, Gom- or from Hosea to Gomer or even the children to the mother on behalf of the father, but it's this plead. It's this plead from God even. God is pleading, would you not see that all of your desires can be fulfilled in me? It's the same language that we actually see in the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 1, as wisdom calls out into the streets, it says she calls for any who would receive wisdom to come. To come and receive the gift of wisdom. And in the same way, verse 2 of Hosea chapter 2 is saying, would you please come? Would you please come to your senses and realize that this price of addiction, this price of idolatry is heavy. It's supposed to leave you, and and the way in which this is written very graphically here in chapter 2 is it's, it's really supposed to make you uncomfortable so that you'll see the, the heaviness of what's being declared here, that you give yourself over to counterfeit gods, you give yourself over to addictions, you give yourself over to idolatry, and the great heaviness there is if you will not turn to Christ to be fulfilled, to give your life meaning. It's going to lead to a disastrous a very disastrous outcome. Because here's what God's Word says in Romans chapter 1. That for those who chased after idols, those who were addicted to to materialistic things apart from God, it says that God gave them up to the desires of their hearts. That God gave them up to the desires of their hearts because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator. You see, the problem with addiction is that we try to fill our hearts with things that only God can fill. We, We try to give ourselves over to things in which only God can do. You see, what happens with addiction is that we feel these, these pressures of needing to escape reality or to feel better about ourselves or to try to make us feel full rather than empty and guilty and bad. And so we give ourselves over to worldly desires, worldly things that that seemingly will give us some sort of fulfillment, but the the pattern of addiction actually reveals that all of these things will leave us helpless, will leave us broken, will leave us in despair, even now. But as Pastor Don said, ultimately forever. See, if we worship the creature rather than the creator, when we worship human approval, power, money, pleasure, reputation, when those things become our God, when those things are what we are addicted to, 
When those things are, are idols, yes, they might promise for a moment that they will give you some sort of fulfillment. But that fulfillment is only for a season. You know, we can sit there and think that to be truly happy, we have to have the perfect children or the best spouse or the biggest bank account or the most pristine job or the greatest pleasures or safety from all harm or money to live in total self-defined comfort. But all of those are idols when they become the the ultimate fulfillment for our companionship, identity, respect, love, safety, and comfort. See, addiction goes far beyond substance abuses. Idols can be anything that replaces God for a lie. And ultimately, what what we understand is that addiction, idolatry, our worship problem is that If we have to commit sin against God to get what I want, then I am an idolater. If I have to spit in the face of God and do things that He has commanded me not to do to receive what I want, then I am an idolater. And it brings empty promises. It bears a price. And it sows pain. Emotional pain, physical pain, spiritual pain. Listen to what Paul writes in Galatians chapter 6. He says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season... We will reap if we do not give up. You see, what Paul is is saying here is that it is difficult. It's hard to turn away from earthly addictions, to turn away from earthly idols and earthly fulfillment. But if we will turn towards God, there is a life that is eternally blessed is eternally filled, is eternally joyful. That is for us as we come to faith in the Lord Jesus. If we turn ourselves to these earthly desires, these temporary fulfillments, we will find ourselves reaping destruction, corruption, because these things will not last. You see, an occupation will not last. A relationship, they do not last. Substances They will not last. All of it wastes away. And ultimately what we'll find is that that fulfillment in which we long for is is quickly fleeting. It's painful to see it coming and going. But what Paul is saying is that God absolutely never fails. He is everlasting to everlasting. He is infinite and He is fully satisfying. You see, the... Probably the the number one comment, and I know I've told this to you as a congregation before, but the number one comment that I always receive when I'm sharing the gospel out amongst uh, the world, here in our town or in my office as people come and go, 
is, you know, Pastor Matt, I, I want to feel filled up. I want to feel some sort of a fulfillment. I don't want to feel empty any longer. I've tried all these things. I've tried all of these substances. I've tried all of these relationships. I've tried all of these jobs. And I keep finding myself longing for more and more and more. And that's because we have all been created in the image of God. And it's a God-sized hole in which only He can fill. And so, yes, there's a great price of addiction. And yes, there's great pains in addiction. But there's also a pathway out of addiction. There's a solution to our worship problem. And that's where 2 Corinthians 5.17 comes back into play. Because what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that we need to simply be in Christ. The Scriptures say, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. The scriptures say, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. The scriptures say, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. And so when we, when we turn away from earthly addictions, when we turn away from these earthly, quickly fleeting idols, what we turn towards is Christ in faith. We turn in faith to Him and we know that at the moment of our salvation we are filled with the Spirit. And in the filling up of the Spirit we find ourselves full. We find ourselves joyful. We find ourselves fulfilled in every which way. But in honesty, the Christian life is sometimes where we don't where we don't notice or we don't recognize the indwelling Spirit as we ought. And so the Lord gives us means in which we can be filled up or we can be infilled with the Holy Spirit. He gives us the Word, which is His, which is His Word to us, our Bibles. He gives us sacraments like the Lord's Supper or Baptism to remind us of His promises. And He gives us direct communication for us to come to Him in prayer. And, and this change is what's now for us who are in Christ. As we have come to Christ, we are now new creations. The old, the addictions, the, the earthly desires, they have gone. But behold, the new has come. You know, if we're battling with idolatry, if we're battling with addictions, if we're turning every which way to be fulfilled and we're still longing because we feel this God-sized hole within our lives, the Scriptures say, turn towards Christ. Come to Christ. Allow the Spirit to conform you into His image. Come to Him in faith and He will fill you up and enable you to live unto righteousness. The way in which we fix our worship problem is to turn from the quickly fleeting things of this world that promise much but give nothing and turn towards Christ who gives us everything. Yes, even now, He showers us with blessings. And for forever, He gives us Himself the fullness of joy.
So let us count the cost of pursuing earthly things. Let us know that if we pursue earthly things, we will be met with corruption. But if we pursue Christ, we will receive everything. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you for the opportunity to come to your word. And Lord, we do pray that we would give up the the empty and feeble attempts to fill ourselves up with the idols this world has to offer and let us turn unto you in faith, knowing, Lord, that you offer to us yourself and in you we have everything. We have the fullness of joy. We have life everlasting. And so, Father, we do pray that you would use this time in your word to convict where it ought to convict, encourage where it ought to encourage for the advancement of your kingdom. Amen.